You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about the Rolling Stones, Let It Bleed. In the room, I have Rob, yes. Ben, yeah. and John. Hi. Let It Bleed is the eighth British and tenth American studio album by the English rock band, the Rolling Stones. Released in December 1969 by Decca Records in the UK and London Records in the US. The producer was Jimmy Miller, and the genre is hard rock, blues, country blues, rock, the 1968 Beggar's Banquet may have signaled a political awakening for the Rolling Stones as they s- seem to relate to the counterculture protests on both sides of the Atlantic in the wake of assassinations and Robert F. Kennedy, Dr. Martin Luther King, and during the Vietnam War. The songs Sympathy for the Devil and Street Fighting Man were barricade anthems for the band that was previously content to smirk over middle-class hypocrisy and familiar sexual and romantic tropes. For their next album, Let It Bleed, the Stones would continue the return to the ragged blues rock songs of protest and misery, but this time they would do away with any psychedelic elements in favor of a country accent. And like the previous album, the opening track shows that the Stones only sharpen their licks as Gimme Shelter sounds like a beautiful siren in the distance before a riotous explosion of guitar and snare sets the political anthem on fire. Let It Bleed can be uneven, bouncing from country honk to the traditional Delta love in vain, but the Stones seem to have truly found their own unique sneering voice in the devious middle tracks like Live With Me, Let It Bleed, Midnight Rambler, and Monkey Man. The Stones then proceed to create an orchestrated pop masterpiece and you can't always get what you want, seemingly just to show how they too can show the beautiful side of life even if it ultimately leads to regret. Unfortunately, Let It Bleed would be the last appearance of guitarist Brian Jones as he had been evicted from the group during the recording and died shortly after. He was replaced by guitarist Mick Taylor. Let It Bleed reached number one in the UK, temporarily demoting the Beatles' Abbey Road and number three on the Billboard Top LP charts in the US, where it eventually went double platinum soon after. All right, what do we think of Let It Bleed? It's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of weird to ask about kind of classic albums that I think we all like. Oh, but it's possible that somewhere after listening to an album, you decide that you hate it. But no, that wasn't the case here. This is start to finish a great album. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, a beggar's banquet kind of started an era. Like, like you, you said, I'm just gonna be re saying it. it started an era for them. 
that would continue for at least four records, and it just kept on getting better and better. You know, like, like Let It Bleed. I love Beggar's Banquet. I like Let It Bleed even even more. And then, like, it, it, in my opinion, it's all leading to exile. Uh, yeah. But I like but stand alone. I really like Let It Bleed. My favorite Stone song, I think, is on Let It Bleed. Uh, Which is Let It Bleed. Okay. <laughs> I love. I love. I really, really like the song Let It Bleed. It just, it, it it hits me really close to my heart. I think it's awesome. I like that it's sloppy, but it that is one of the good things about it. It like they use the looseness of it as a as a strength like i think that the stones being able to turn like kind of a studio looseness into like they were just able to harness that and use it as a strength as opposed to letting it kind of detriment their sound i i like that uh i like that it's about emotional dependency it's about vulnerability it's about letting letting people not only lean on you but bleed on you cream on you and come on you like it's just like for 1969 that's fucking progressive you know like i just think i think it's a really cool song it's about i don't know you got bad friends but you still love them yeah and i like that a lot i love that they're willing to get you know nasty oh absolutely like they they see these uh, the typical like love tropes and they're just like you know what we're just gonna we're going to tell like it is. We're going to be gritty and we're going to have an edge and we're going to go for the counterculture, the dirty side of life and and but also have these sort of like redemption songs and things like that, which is to me is like that's true blues material, but they're doing it without just uh rehash. Obviously they're doing Love in Vain by it, Robert Johnson, but you know. They, they, they're I don't want to say elevating is a loaded word because you I don't know think I, I didn't say elevated no i'm about to oh okay because <laughs> <laughs> you know elevated you know elevated means elevated but what i'm trying to say is it it's not just a straight cover of of love and vain you know they they are doing their they're taking the source material and they're taking it to a different place elevating Saying that they elevated it implies that it's better than Robert Johnson's Love in Vain. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that they took that source material and and they're they're exposing a different side of it. You know, and yeah. I, I think that that's cool. The sort of country, tr- mm-hmm. countryfied with Ry Cooter. Countryfied mm-hmm. with Ry Cooter. They they added a few chords. Yeah. 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 I thought it was cool. Uh, the first time I heard this album, or I did I buy this album? I heard it, or I bought it, or something. But when I heard it, I was like, oh, this is a greatest. This is a best of. I had no idea. I The first time I heard it, I was like, this is the best of Rolling Stones album. Well, where, where's the like real albums? I was like uh, early teens or something like that. And, yeah. and then I realized after looking it up that, oh, no, this is just a normal <laughs> album. And all these songs are, are amazing. So it kind of blew me away. I think... I didn't realize it because from Gimme Shelter to Love and Vain to Country Honk is it's almost like different a, a, a bit of uh, genre switching within each one and then you you can't always get what you want you know like all those things have a different type of genre a different style but they're all on this this album and they make sense on this album I had just no idea that they were 
they had gotten this this good that early. Mm-hmm. Well, and Country Honk is their country version of Honky Tonk, Tonk Woman. Woman. Yeah. So it's, I mean, they're definitely trying, I think, on this album to give it a little bit this, more country flavor. They were, we're listening to the same. song right now, and this always messes me up when I play it in the car because there's the honk of a, oh, yeah. of a car. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I always, like, look around me to <laughs> screws with me. Both versions were recorded during these sessions. Uh, and the single version, the version that we all know from Classic Rock Radio, was released as a single before the album came out. So then when the album came out, they, they kind of included, like, and here's, like, a more traditional honky-tonk version of that song you know and love, which I think is kind of neat. Because it... I'd assume that Country Honk was kind of the prototype, which it was, and then it evolved into Honky Tonk Women, which it did, but I didn't realize that even though that was the case, Honky Tonk Women was was released a few months earlier, so by the time Country Honk came out, people are already familiar with what the song would be. It was was released in, in the opposite of how it was conceived. Yeah. You know? That's, that makes sense. Yeah. Been quiet, Rob. No. I... I have nothing to add <laughs> to this. Like, what, do you, what do you think? I, I I think it's the best Stones record thus far. Absolutely, I um, agree with you. Like it, there there's no track on this. When I was listening to it, did I think you know what? Maybe they could have gotten rid of that. Yeah, so I like think it, that's it, one of the. It's a great strength. great fucking like it. It opens hard. It ends fucking like triumphant and. The stuff in between, like, absolutely, it, it deserves to be there. Yeah. It, th- these middle songs in here, too, like, Live With Me, Let It Bleed, Midnight Rambler, they're so cool. They, It's like a block, it's like a rock block it right is. in the middle of the of the album where you always need it. That's, yeah. I thought that it was, it was pretty amazing to put in the Love and Vain and Country Honk, the sort of country songs, two and three, and then come back with this sort of like straight ahead. Mm-hmm. All right, here's the stones you love. Yeah, doing their thing, and it's dirty. Yeah, yeah. This, uh, we're, right now in our headphones, we're listening to "Live with Me," and "Live with Me" is the reason. So, as as y'all, as everyone knows, the the there is a choir singing at the, at the opening. To you can't always get what you want. That's the London Bach Choir. And they ha- requested to be publicly disassociated with the album <laughs> because of, as they said, a, quote, relentless drug ambiance. <laughs> <laughs> This is Bobby Keys playing. Uh, there's two pianists playing on this song. Uh, it's uh, it's Nicky Hopkins and Leon Russell playing, nice. both playing piano on this track. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, Nicky Hopkins. Yeah, there were quite a few people that were Ry Cooter that we've had on other albums mm-hmm. and everything that have shown up before. Oh, dude, dude. Yeah, I know. it's your boy Al Cooper. <laughs> yeah. You know what he's doing? He's playing French horn at the beginning of You Can't Always Get What You Want. He. <laughs> oh my god, check all of the closets in every recording studio in the 1960s. 
And Al Cooper's just like hiding in there, just wanting to play something on your record. And then he goes and starts what, blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> so we've heard him. We've heard him play the 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 uh, iconic organ lick from uh, from Like a Rolling Stone. We've heard him play guitar on things. We've heard him in his own band. Is this the first time we've heard him playing a horn? Because I, I didn't even know he played French horn. Probably. <laughs> Probably. Man. Yeah, those uh, those lyrics for uh, Live With Me, they're, 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 they're filthy. Uh, yeah, please, Birch, enlighten me. Uh, I mean, the fir- I'll just say the first, how about the first four? I got nasty habits. I take tea at three. Yes, in the meat I eat for dinner. Must be hung up for a week. Yes, the butler has a place for her behind the pantry door. The maid, she's French. She's got no sense. She's wild for crazy horse. There you go. <laughs> when she strips, the chauffeur's... The chauffeur flips. The footman's eyes get cross. <laughs> the Crazy Horse is a strip club in France, in Paris. It's pretty good. It's still there. It's all right. It's okay. They got a show in Vegas. It's not as good. <laughs> We're listening to the title track right now, and I, oh. I, I really, really like this song. Yeah. Does, I, does anyone have like I? I've been gushing over this song, but I also know it's not. It, it's not like a popular. It's not in Rolling Stone's greatest hits. It's not a popular favorite. And when I've told people before it's my favorite Stone song, they look at me weird. What do you guys think about the song? I wouldn't look at you weird whatsoever. Yeah? Yeah, I think it. it's it's a killer song, and I, I think about it all. I mean, I think about that song. I think about Midnight Rambler uh, mm-hmm. a lot. About the, I think it was in, inspired by the Boston Strangler. Yeah, I mean, they, they uh, basically lay out that it's the Boston Strangler. Yeah. And yeah. then it, in, in the third verse, I think Mick Jagger says that he is the Midnight Rambler. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he changes from telling you the story about this serial killer being like, Oh, and then I'm climbing over the wall. It's yeah. like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, if I had to pick maybe two favorite, I mean, it would be Give Me, Give Me Shelter and probably Let It Bleed, to cool. tell you the truth. So is Let It Bleed on any other albums? Because I feel like I've heard it before. You've heard Max and me singing it at karaoke. Well, yeah, I've heard that. But I, I don't think I've heard uh, mixed delivery on this album because it feels very, especially the first line, very countrified, almost like, you know, uh, John Wayne kind of twang. You know, we all need someone to lean on. Yeah, he does that country voice sometimes. Yeah, I just, I noticed it really heavily on this Let It Bleed, and I thought, is it me that's hearing it for the first time, or is there a different version that I've heard? I think it, I mean, I think it, it it's a, probably just the version you've heard, but it is a very typical, I think it's a, A-D-E, sort of like just yeah. that, that typical uh, yeah. chords back and forth, back and forth. So it always it sounds like a song that you just like you say sometimes like I grew up just knowing this song. Yeah. It just sounds very natural. Absolutely. Probably because we hear we've heard thousands of songs that have a similar oh, structure, structure, that structure. I think when I when I first became familiar with this song, I think I was at at in the deepest part of my 20s when I was like the most frequently hungover and probably the most frequently being not the best person. And I think that was right about when when I first started hearing Let It Bleed. And it just, it just really resonated with me then. And and even though like now like I'm I'm boring, I go to bed early. Like the the it's a song it, it still just rings with me. Just you just got to let you just you love your friends, you let them lean on you and, and no yeah. matter what. 
Sometimes they gotta bleed on you too. It's okay. They're your friends, you know. Plus, it's 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 a memorable. You can sing it when you're drunk. Like. Oh, absolutely! It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's got like the like the whole like swinging the steins back and forth yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. It's a very good drinking song. Yeah. I hadn't heard uh, Monkey Man before. Really? Which awesome. I thought was great. That was a surprise to me. Especially the intro is fucking amazing. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of a lot that, of good stuff. That, and is there is there a radio edit of of Midnight Rambler because they don't normally have like the full harmonica play in the middle on the radio, do they? I haven't heard it on the radio, but the version that's on Hot Rocks, uh, which was the first version I heard because Hot Rocks is like the greatest hits. Uh, the version on Hot Rocks is a live version, oh, so, so it's more it's, harmonica. It's it's longer. It might be more harmonica. There's definitely like a breakdown in the middle where they break it down and build it back up. But those are the those are the two versions of it that I know. You could put this this album on shuffle, and it would it's be the, the same yeah. album. Sequencing ain't no thing. It would be so good. It, Although I think you can't always get what you want. It's probably probably the proper closer and yeah, Gimme Shelter's right. Project. Yeah, starting with Gimme Shelter and anyway, yeah. man, what, what fucking so bookends for yeah. this record, dude? Yeah, talk about bookends. Yeah. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Simon and <laughs> <laughs> this is the bookends album. Well, especially since their actual bookends for their bookends concept album were the first and first and last song on side one, which is not bookends, guys. That's no. not how that works. Nope. <laughs> you got books on the end falling down. <laughs> well, that book ended on side one. <laughs> <laughs> things about Gimme Shelter, at least the part that gives me goosebumps, is the female co-lead vocal, mm. who's um, Mary Clayton, spelled like Merry Christmas. So that was almost an afterthought. They were recording it in the studio, and they had the, they had it, the tracks laid out, and it was like someone had the idea, like, oh, you know what this song could really use is some, like, some female vocals. So uh, uh, Jack Nietzsche, uh, the Nietzsche or whatever, the uh, producer... He called up a friend of his who was a singer, Mary Clayton, who was home in bed pregnant. It was after midnight. So he calls her up and wakes her up, tells her to come to the studio because the Rolling Stones want some female vocals. So she gets out of bed pregnant, goes down to the studio, lays it down in just a couple takes and goes back home and goes to bed. (laughs) And... There's even, there's, there's around, right around three minutes, uh, her voice cracks when she says murder. And you can hear in the background, if you listen to it with headphones, Mick Jagger, not near the mic, goes, woo! <laughs> when her voice cracks. And I love when there's stuff like that that's still on a record, that still like ties you to the actual like visceral recording process. When you can hear someone or something 
that like reminds you like these are people in a room. Yeah. Like I I love that type of stuff. There's a a sad epilogue to that story and that shortly after she got back to her house after recording she some people theorized that maybe her like gut-wrenching vocal performance contributed to that. Who knows whether or not it did. I'm not a doctor, but I didn't know that part of the story until today. And it almost made me not want to tell the story at all because that actually is really sad. Yeah, that's really sad. But I mean, I fa- fascinating. Think, uh, I, I'm no doctor either. Yeah. But uh, you know, singing I don't think really has much to do with a a miscarriage. But she didn't sing. She sang. I still. Yeah, you're probably. That's right. not a. Rolling Stone called it's not on this record, but it was recorded in the same session. Uh, the actual the uh, the radio single Honky Tonk Woman. Uh, Rolling Stone called it likely the strongest three minutes of rock and roll yet released in 1969. I have trouble arguing with that. I think that's a, a <clears throat> valid contender. That song, I like both versions, but really the, the single, the one that was actually released, the Honky Tonk Woman as opposed to Country Honk, Honky Tonk Woman just, is just, just an unstoppable airtight rock song. Mm-hmm. It's got a bucket full of riffs. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing to add. I think this song. I think this album's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do, do we even need to go around the room, or are we all just positive? Yeah, nah, it's really yeah, yeah. unanimous. Good deal. Yeah. Great album. Definitely deserves to be in this book. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Next time we will be talking about Nick Drake. Five leaves left. All right. Thanks, y'all. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, well, you might find We don't.